Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for salvation in Jesus Christ. We thank you for the grace of God that is shown to us in the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we thank you for this, this morning and the opportunity we have to come and to celebrate and to praise your name and to honor you. For you alone are worthy of our praise, Lord Jesus, and we thank you. We exalt you today and we thank you, Savior and Lord, Redeemer. We thank you, Lord, for your grace and mercy to us. And so many of us in this room, we know... For by grace we are saved as we've put our faith in you. And we thank you for your grace to us every day. We thank you, Lord, for this morning and the opportunity we have together and to study your word together. We pray that as we begin to think about the importance of our families in these days together, that you might speak to our hearts and show us and reveal to us in our families, our various families that make up the family of First Baptist Church that we might be faithful to be families of godliness, honoring the Lord Jesus Christ in all that we do, and being a witness for Christ in a world that so desperately needs to see what real family godliness looks like. May the Lord Jesus be honored and glorified through my words, and we thank you for your word today and for the wonderful privilege and the sweet spirit we have to be in this place together. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, good morning. Good to see all of you. I'm Pastor Mike. If you're a guest with us, we're delighted to have you here today. If you'll find your place in your Bible in the Old Testament book of Joshua. We'll be looking in Joshua chapter 24. And uh, so on this uh, 4th of July weekend, we begin these new, uh, this new topic together we'll be talking about for some season of time. <clears throat> and I hope that you'll be with us as often as you can. Those of you who cannot be with us, who always join us online, God bless you. May the Lord bless you. Uh, whatever your condition, whatever your circumstance. Joshua chapter number 24. This is a famous chapter. It's the end of <clears throat> Joshua's life. And I'll have some more to say about that in just a moment. So while you're finding your place, let me talk to you about the importance of what I'm going to be talking about in the days ahead and uh, perhaps set up uh, some of my thoughts for you today. <clears throat> I may repeat some of this in the days ahead, especially next week. We have some who are away. I want to make sure that I've introduced this properly to you. As for me and my house, I'm reading, I'm, I'm using these words directly from what uh, Joshua says today about his own testimony of committing to lead his family, to be himself a man of godliness, and to lead his family uh, to be a godly family. Let me just say some things uh, in introduction about the importance of the family that's based on the Word of God. God has ordained the family as the foundational institution of human society. That still stands. Marriage is the uniting of one man and one woman in covenant relationship for life. That's still the standard of God's Word. Children from the moment of conception are a blessing and heritage from the Lord. That stands as the truth of God's Word. Parents, and I would include in this as they support them, parents, grandparents, and uh, great-grandparents are to teach their children spiritual and moral values. Parents, grandparents, and great-grandparents are to lead their children through a consistent lifestyle example of following Jesus. Parents and grandparents and great-grandparents are 
to lovingly discipline their children. Parents and grandparents and great-grandparents are to help their children make choices based on biblical truth. I have for some time been praying about this and uh, asking the Lord to show me the right time to talk to you about this very important topic. I'm speaking to the leaders of the families of this church. And I'm calling the families of First Baptist Church to a time of family renewal and commitment to be families of godliness. I include my own family. My wife Pat and I will stand at the front and say this is what we desire also. God has blessed First Baptist Church with a growing number of new children <clears throat> among our families. And Pastor Ken in his report, if you heard it and you were, we were busily coming in, I just want you to catch this. This is very important for us as a church in our stewardship. Uh, we have had, we have had a, the Lord has blessed us with those wonderful children who from the moment of conception have been born into this place as a gift and heritage from the Lord to all of the families that make up First Baptist Church. That means that for some of you here today, you become a grandparent for the first time. Congratulations. I, I remember those days. Many others remember those days. And some of you have not become grandparents yet. It'll be a joy in your life. You'll love it. And, and also some have become parents for the first time, or perhaps another child has been added. And there are those who, when these children are born, are great grandparents, maybe for the first time. What a joy that is. Over 61 children have been dedicated on this platform in the last three years, 61. That's approximately 20 children a year. That's very significant. As Brother Ken said, 20 boys and girls from fifth grade and below <clears throat> this year, 20 boys and girls, and we've seen week by week, many of them come forward with their parents and make their profession of faith. 20 boys and girls, fifth grade and below, <clears throat> have made their professions of faith. Glory be to God. And 11 of those boys and girls, after Pastor Ken and our, and our wonderful uh, children's uh, trainers and workers have talked with those boys and girls and their parents, they've stepped forward and they have followed the Lord Jesus in believer's baptism. I was nine years old when I was baptized. Many of you remember that in, in your life, and I remember it to this day. Praise the Lord. I believe it is time for us to consider the importance of what I'm calling family godliness <clears throat> as a church. This church is only as good as the families that make it up this church is only as strong in our witness as the families who <clears throat> are part of this church. And family godliness is at the foundation of all that we do and is at the foundation of advancing the gospel of Jesus Christ. So we'll talk about family godliness and we'll do it in a number of ways. Today we'll start in Joshua 24 and I'll get to that in a moment. But I must take some time just to say these things. I'm calling the parents and grandparents and great-grandparents of First Baptist Church. <clears throat> to consider some very important matters related to the growth, development, and importance of family godliness. It touches every family in this church. It's an issue for your family. Either you're a family of godliness today, or you're a family of ungodliness. Though you say you're a Christian. I'm calling the parents and grandparents and great-grandparents of First Baptist Church to commit individually... To live as godly people in order that their families may see a godly example. 
I'm calling the parents, grandparents, and great-grandparents of First Baptist Church to commit. And this is very important, and I'll say a lot about it over the weeks ahead. I'm very burdened about this. To commit to the care of the souls of their sweet children, grandchildren, and great-grandchildren. The care of the souls of children, grandchildren, and great-grandchildren. And I'm speaking as your pastor. I have a heavy burden for this. I believe it is the time <clears throat> in our history when we need to talk about this. I believe God will honor our time in the Word, and I think we'll see some things together that will help us. But I come with a heavy burden speaking to all of my fellow parents and grandparents and great-grandparents that you will take it as a serious duty in the days ahead as we're together to examine the current condition of your family. And that if needed, you will repent of ungodliness in your family life. And that you will be committed to renew your commitment to follow the Lord Jesus Christ and then to lead your family into family godliness. I'm calling this series, as for me and my house, a commitment to godly family life. Well, we need it in our world I would encourage you, if you have friends or others who would like to hear what we're talking about, they can listen to us anytime and I'd be honored for them to do it. Why is this important? Well, the gospel depends. The gospel, the advance of the gospel depends on the godly families of this church. Why is it important? Well, the church of the Lord Jesus Christ and this very church depends on the godliness of the families that make it up. Why is this important that we have godly families? Your children's spiritual life depend on it. Your grandchildren's spiritual life depends on it. Your great-grandchildren's lives depend on it. Why is this important that we be families of godliness? Well, your accountability to God as a parent, as a grandparent and great-grandparent depends on it. Some of us are all of those. We're a parent, we're a grandparent, and we're a great-grandparent. Or we're a parent and a grandparent. Or we're a parent, soon to be a grandparent. And finally, I would say this to you. Perhaps you've not thought this far out. Perhaps your boys and girls are sitting right with you and they're just still... A primary children or in preschool. It won't take long and they won't be. They'll be sitting next to you. You'll turn and look and they'll be full grown. Why is this important that we have families of godliness? Your children's children depend on it. So with those words said in introduction, we come now to the most important words, the Word of God, in Joshua 24, Joshua 23 and 24, Joshua gives his final words to the nation of Israel. I'm going to summarize some of these things for the sake of time. <clears throat> but I want us to read these words first of all. Joshua 24, Joshua has called to Shechem all of the tribe leaders, all of the heads of the families, the judges and the officers. And they have presented themselves before God. This is Joshua 24, 1. And so he's going to say some things that I'll elaborate on in just a moment. I hope you'll keep your Bible open and I'll expand on the first 13 verses. But I will read for the sake of time, beginning in verse 14. 
These are famous words. Do not gloss over them because you've heard them before. Today I'm calling your attention to these words as Joshua called Israel. I'm calling this church and the family leaders of this church to act and respond to these words in your own personal life and in your family life. Now therefore, he's drawing a conclusion. Joshua's drawing a conclusion. Now therefore, fear the Lord and serve Him in sincerity and truth and put away the gods which your fathers served beyond the river and in Egypt and serve the Lord. If it is disagreeable in your sight to serve the Lord, choose for yourselves today whom you will serve, whether the gods which your fathers served, which were beyond the river, or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are living. But as for me, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Verse 23. Now, therefore, Joshua says, to the people, put away, put away the foreign gods which are in your midst and incline your hearts to the Lord, the God of Israel. Now, Heavenly Father, bless the reading of your word and may the Holy Spirit of God be our teacher today. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. The focal truth around which, as I've already been saying, our comments will be is this. And I'll expand this week by week. God calls Christian family leaders. If you are a Christian, if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, and you are a parent, you have a responsibility as family leader to lead and to live a godly life and develop and grow your children and your grandchildren and your great-grandchildren. Influence them as best you can to live as people of godliness who follow God, and, and that the development of family godliness will come to be the characteristic of your family. Would you consider your family a godly family? When you compare yourself to the world and the families that live on both sides of you or in the neighborhood or down the, down the fields from you around and you you're gathered with all those from this community and area we live in. Would you, do others consider your family to be a little bit different? Seemingly, you live differently than they live. Would you consider your family a godly family? If no, then that should concern you. And perhaps what we talk about will help you. If yes, then you must continue on. What are the characteristics of family godliness? Well, we're going to see it from Joshua here in just a moment. And how can I know what family godliness looks like? It's interesting to me. It's a very interesting perspective. We, we begin to read about Joshua here, and, and this starts his final farewell. Joshua, a man who followed God wholeheartedly. The story of Joshua's life. I do not have time to expand on his story I'm counting on most of you, many of you. I'm looking around. I know who's here. You know the story of Joshua. You've learned it. Thank God someone taught it to you, by the way. And you've had the opportunity to hear the Word of God. Joshua, this one who was an assistant to Moses, the man of God, 
who saw unbelievable things, Joshua, this one who was appointed to lead the children of Israel into the land of promise to do all the work he's done now for these 24 chapters. Unbelievable experiences in his life. And he says, in, uh, the Bible says in uh, Joshua 23, 1, now it came about after many days when the Lord had given rest to Israel from all their enemies on every side. And Joshua was old and advanced in years. Now he's calling them together. He calls them in chapter 24, verse 1, to Shechem. I'll say more about that place in a moment. But now Joshua's an old man. We wonder what his words will be. What are these final words of this man of God? What's he going to say to all, these, all of these uh, family leaders? What's going to be his final words? His final words were a call to Israel to be families of godliness. That might surprise us. It might surprise us that he would talk about this. But he calls them to serve God, fear God, follow God as families of godliness. Joshua knew that Israel's future was tied to the promises of God given to Abraham. That's why Shechem is important in verse number 1. I'll just read it for the sake of time. From Genesis chapter 12. We read these words in Genesis chapter 12 and they're so significant for us because now the Lord said to Abram, Genesis 12, 1, Go forth from your country, from your relatives, from your father's house to the land which I'll show you and I'll make you a great nation and I'll bless you and I'll make your name great and you shall be a blessing and I will bless those who bless you, curse those and the families of the earth will be blessed. Abraham went forth as the Lord had spoken to him, verse 4, and Lot went with him. Now Abram was 75 years old when he departed from Haran. And Abram took Sarai and his wife and Lot, his nephew, and all his possessions which they had accumulated and the persons which they and the persons they'd acquired in Haran. And they set out for the land of Canaan, and thus they came to the land of Canaan. Abram passed through the land as far as the site of Shechem. To the oak of Morah. And then in the future God tells him in just a few chapters. I'm going to give you, I'm going to give you a child. And, you, the, and through your seed all the nations of the world will be blessed. And Abraham believed God. And it was reckoned to him for righteousness. So what a place for Joshua to call them. He calls them back to Shechem. To remind them that all of their family history started in Abraham. And the promises of God to Abraham. They are a living example of the blessings and the promises of God. And he is concerned about the future family condition of Israel. As a pastor, I am burdened about the same when I think about us and I think about Christian family life in America today. He does something very interesting, and I have these observations for you. I'll just put them up and I'll go through them as I go through the text. You can follow along. Number one, God reminds family leaders of His salvation blessings on the past generations of their families. This is what He does in verses 1 through 13. Look, I'll just follow along quickly. Notice what He says to them. 
Thus says the Lord God of Israel, verse 2, From the ancient times your fathers lived beyond the river, namely Terah, and the father of Abraham, and, uh, and the father of Nahor. And they served other gods. You ought to mark that down. They served other gods. That's where Abraham came from. That's their family history. Idolatry. Then I took your father Abraham from beyond the river, verse 3, and led him through all the land of Canaan, multiplied his descendants, and gave him Isaac. So we see here, first of all, he reminds them that their family history, their forefathers were idolaters. He reminds them of the blessings on Abraham and the forefathers, and he also reminds them of their deliverance from Egypt. Verse number 5, Then I sent Moses and Aaron, and I plagued Egypt by what I did in the midst, and afterward I brought you out. He reminds them also of his leadership, God's leadership in leading them into the promised land. Verse 8, Then I brought you into the land of the Amorites who live beyond the Jordan, and they fought with you, and I gave them into your hand. He reminds them of the blessing of the promised land that they did nothing to earn, in verse 13, I gave you a land on which you had not labored, and cities which you have not built, and you have lived in them, and you are eating of the vineyards and olive groves which you did not plant. He reminds them of the gracious blessings, all of his salvation blessings that he has given to their family in the past. Secondly, he calls the family leaders to live as families of godliness. Now, therefore, so he draws his conclusion, as he reminds them of their salvation blessings from God's salvation blessings on, past, on the past generations of their families, their forefathers, he now calls these family leaders who are standing in Shechem, presenting themselves before the Lord, verse 1 of chapter 24, and he says to them, now, therefore, three things. Do you see it? Number one, fear the Lord. Number two, serve Him in sincerity and truth. And number three, put away the gods which your fathers served beyond the river and in Egypt and serve the Lord. He says it twice. You see, there were ancient family practices of idolatry that, they had, that their forefathers had, they had carried on from beyond the river. There were ancient family practices of idolatry from Egypt that they had carried on and brought with them across the wilderness. Now they still carry it. And now they're in a new land and they're exposed to new idolatry and families of ungodliness. And the power of idolatry continues to affect the nation of Israel. So he calls them to live as families of godliness. This is the call for this the families of this church. You either today as a family fear God. You today as a family either serve the Lord in sincerity and truth. You today as a family have either turned from idolatry or you have hidden secret idolatry, though you may formally say that you are a follower of Jesus. So God reminds, these God reminds through Joshua these family leaders of His salvation blessings to their forefathers. Some of us some of us who've had that privilege ought to thank God every day. We're not saved because of our family's uh, 
experience of knowing Jesus Christ, but oh, what a blessed example it is to have grandparents, great-grandparents, and parents who love the Lord Jesus Christ and who have, made, have, have given an influence in our lives. And I stand to say thank you for the ones in my life. And this was, this was Abraham's purpose, to remind the nation of Israel of a godly past, but also of an ungodly, ungodliness that was buried and that was carried by the children of Israel for many years. Thirdly, Joshua calls these family leaders to make a choice to decide to live as families of godliness. You see, Joshua knew the secret. There was a family secret. There was a family secret. It went back a long way. Why we even read about Jacob's wife, Rachel, taking the family idol when they were leaving, when Jacob was taking his family, taking all of them and leaving from his father-in-law. What did Rachel do? It's over in Genesis. She steals the family idol. Oh, you know, it might be good just to take this along. Maybe just for good luck. She carries the family idol. Here is, here is Jacob. To Isaac I gave Jacob. This is, Isaac, this is excuse me, Joshua 24.4. And Esau. But Jacob and his sons went down to Egypt. The blessing of God. Jacob have I loved. And yet Rachel's carrying in her possessions the family idol. Joshua knew the secret among these families of Israel. They said a lot of good things about following God, but they all had secret idols at the house. Joshua calls them to decide to serve the Lord. I'm calling on you today as family leaders. Will you serve God? Not when it's convenient, but as first priority in your life. That means it'll change your values at your house. That means it'll It'll make you stand out and you won't look the same as the families in the community. Are you willing to serve God? I'm calling this generation of family leaders. We're looking at a history here, but as for me, he says, and my house, we will serve the Lord. But he says in 15, choose for yourself today. And that's what I'm doing today. I'm calling you today to choose for yourself whom you will serve. Who are you serving today, my friend? Who is your family serving? What have you taught your children to do? What are they doing? You see, this lingering matter of this inherited, ungodly, idolatrous practice was the secret of Israel's history, and they never broke from their idolatry. What caused it? You see, living formally saying that you follow God but secretly serving idols. Listen to me. You know what happens, which is so sad? When you live in idolatry, you, you turn out to rebel against God. When you live in idolatry, you turn out to disobey not only God, but refuse to, to listen to what God has to say or to trust Him because you've got your own idol. Why did the Ten Commandments begin? Oh, the order of the Ten Commandments is God-given. Why do the Ten Commandments, the Ten Words begin? With you shall have no God before me because at the heart of all of us in this room, idolatry lurks in your heart. Why did John the Apostle end his letter? By saying, keep yourself from idols because it's deep in our hearts 
to set up our own idols and worship them in the place of God. And I ask you today, is your family today secretly a family that worships idols? Deuteronomy 10.12, what does the Lord require of you? Fear the Lord, walk in His ways, love Him, and serve Him with all your heart and soul. God reminds these family leaders of His salvation blessings on past generations of their families. Joshua calls the family leaders to live as families of godliness. Fear the Lord, serve Him, turn away from idolatry. Joshua calls them to make a choice. I'm asking you to make a choice today. Joshua commits himself to lead his family to be a family of godliness. Notice that it's in verse 15. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Maybe you stop and fill that in. What's your family, say? What's your family motto today? As for me and my house, we will serve whatever it is. If it's anything but the Lord, you're living in idolatry and your family cannot be counted on to be a family of godliness. As for me, I will love God, I will fear Him, and I will serve God wholeheartedly. And us who are followers of Jesus, who live on this side of the cross and resurrection, praise God. As for me, I will follow Jesus Christ all the days of my life, regardless of the cost. And every family leader in this building ought to say that with resolution in the world in which we live. It ought to be the strongest words you say, as for me, I'm going to serve Jesus Christ all the days of my life. And my house will serve the Lord. Oh, I can't force them to, but I can do everything I can to influence them. I will lead my family to love God, fear Him, and serve Him wholeheartedly. Joshua knew something about serving God wholeheartedly. And then finally, Joshua instructs these family leaders to repent of the family secret. It's down in verse 23. You see, they say, he says, choose this day, verse 15, whom you will serve today. But as for me and my house, we'll serve the Lord. And then what do the people say? They said it many times. They said it to Moses. Joshua had heard it. They said it when they would somewhat repent out in the wilderness. And now they say it again. Far be it from us that we should forsake the Lord to serve other gods. So what does Joshua say? Now, therefore, put away the foreign gods which are in your midst. I ask you today, what kind of family idols does your family worship? What kind of family idols does your family worship? Oh, you know, these are some things we've brought along through our family's history. Yes, that's what I'm asking. Because the scourge... And the power of idolatry is strong. Paul says the wrath of God comes upon men, Romans 1, because they refuse to see what God has made and they would choose to rather make their own gods and serve them. Same is true today. Could I be saying, yes, I'm a follower of Jesus, but at the house we've got hidden idols. 
We've got hidden idols. No one else knows. Oh, but the children know because we've taught this practice to generation after generation of children. Our forefathers did it. Then we learned it. And now we've taught it to our children. And it's continuing on. It's time for us all to put away the idols which are in our midst. The people say, again, verse 24, We will serve the Lord our God and we will obey His voice. The sad thing is that they said these words and then we plunge into the dark, horrible, terrible days of the book of Judges. Where subsequent generations did not live as families of godliness. I read you three selections. Judges 2.10 And there arose another generation. This is now after Joshua and these fathers are dead. And there arose another generation after them who did not know the Lord, nor yet the works which He had done for Israel. They didn't know God, and they didn't know what God had done. Somebody in the family forgot to talk to them about God and His great work. All of you have family portraits. Why, it's the summertime. I was informed the other day that I have to buy a special shirt because we're going to have a special family portrait. And I have to wear this particular shirt. because, And I'm supposed to get in line and do it. And I will. Family portraits. You have them on your wall. You've been everywhere. You've been to the beach. You've been to the mountains. You've, and you have them and they're beautiful. But I want you to scan that portrait in your mind right now. Every last person in that picture. Is it a family of godliness that you see? Judges 10.6. This is a horrible statement. The sons of Israel again did evil in the sight of the Lord and served Baal. Oh, if I had time to tell you what Baal worship is like. They forsook the Lord and did not serve Him. Idolatry is at the heart of family ungodliness. And Joshua says, if you're going to serve God as a family of godliness, put away your family idols. Repent and follow God. Now, what do we remember from all of this today? And I'll be quick and we'll be done. First of all, I must continue to impress upon you, my dear friends and brothers and sisters in Christ. I love you in the Lord Jesus. I'm seeking to do my assignment from the Lord. Ungodly family practices inherited from your families are present in every generation of families. And nobody gets a pass on this. We all have a past. That's why it's so very significant when you read these words of Abraham uh, excuse me, Joshua, about Abraham, that he came from the other side of the river and all the family served other gods. You see, I'm saved today, but at one time I was not saved. I was without Christ. I did not know the Lord Jesus Christ serving other gods. Families serve other gods. Ungodly families are serving other gods. But those who follow the Lord Jesus Christ and commit to serve God or families of godliness. The ungodly father and mother leaves a, a child an example of ungodliness, and I'll reverse it. 
the godly father and mother leave an example for godly living for their children. You cannot force them, but you can demonstrate it and live the right way before your children at all ages. And these will be some of the matters we'll talk about in the days ahead. What does it look like to live as families of godliness? But I must say to you, it's easy for a godly family to drift into ungodliness because we live in a land of ungodly families. You can't run away from it. You can't build enough walls and separate yourself. It's always here. You and I as parents, grandparents, and great-grandparents must determine how to walk with our children at all ages to ensure that they know this is the way. Follow the Lord Jesus. You see, a child can walk with God in his early days or her early days, and in adulthood, turn their back on God. Someone has to continue to hold the standard up and say, as for me, I'm going to follow Jesus Christ. You say it to your family without fear. The sin of family ungodliness brings great spiritual destruction to the future family generations. Just read the book of Judges. Something broke down. Something happened for an entire generation to grow up and not know God or what He had done for Israel. What a sad thing for someone to grow up in what's called a Christian family and they don't know anything about Jesus Christ from their parents. They don't know anything about God. They don't know anything about worshiping God or praying and yet the family says, well, we're Christians. Godly family leaders, greatest responsibility. Greatest responsibility. Now, I'll hit on this a number of times in the weeks ahead. It's to lead their families to be families of godliness. Well, what do we do with all this as we leave? I'm going to call these family challenges, and I'm, I'm going to mention this. We're, we're, uh, the staff and I, pastors and I have worked really hard on pulling together some resources, and we'll have some available. I'll talk about it as the weeks go by. We'll have, some, we'll have a, a table out there with some uh, recommended things. We'll have some things online. I, we're not going to leave by just saying, here's the standard and go good luck. We hope you figure it out. We want to try to equip you. So all of us, all the pastors have joined together in trying to put some resources together. And I thank you for my brothers doing this because I think we'll, we'll be able to give to you whatever age you're dealing with this, some tools for you if you're a parent, grandparent, or great-grandparent about how to influence your family and to lead your family to be a family of godliness. So today, what do we need to do? What's our family challenge for today? Well, it has these four parts. First of all, I hope that by what I've said to you today, you'll go home today and consider if your family has made a commitment to serve God. Is it real, my friend? I'm not asking for a Sunday school answer. Is it real? Is your family committed to following the Lord Jesus Christ and serving Him without shame? Well, you need to talk about that. If you're, if you're uh, grandparents and uh, the, the children are with their children, your grandchildren, perhaps that's what you and your spouse talk about. If you're by yourself and you're widowed, you can still pray about this and ask yourself, what will be your as for me 
to influence your family regarding godly family life. As a family, talk about how your family puts God first. That would be an important thing to do. Sit down and say, well, how do we do that? You can ask your young boys and girls. You can ask your students and all those in between. You can ask yourself as grandparents. Because if I don't determine how I put myself first or God first, then that affects whether I'm living in godliness or ungodliness. It's just a fact of the matter. You cannot serve God and something else. As a family, talk about how your family does not put God first. Oh, this would be hard. There need to be some discussions with moms and dads, with grandparents. Do we have secret family idols that we're holding on to? that have influenced our children far more than we realize, even beyond the world? You see, they, they collected their idols, friends, beyond the river with Abraham, Egypt, and all those many hundreds of years. And now they've come to the promised land and they see idolatry in another way. And it all seems so attractive. The world always seems more attractive than following God. As a family... Perhaps the first thing to do is bow and say, Lord Jesus Christ, we trust you, we believe in you, and we will follow you. Well, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. I again challenge you, each of you parents and grandparents today, choose for yourselves today whom you will serve. And I stand to declare to you as best I can, on behalf of my wife and my family, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And I hope you'll say the same.